Welcome to Totes Faves, the podcast game show where we battle to rank everything in the known universe. Tonight, it's a graveyard smash, and we're mashing monsters. Be afraid, be very afraid. I'm Brandon. I'm not a monster unless I'm hangry, and then I'm a beast. I'm Zara. It's going to take multiple rolls of that 16-sided die to defeat me. I'm Deep Welcome back to this new season of Toad's Phase. Let's just call it a new season because it's been a couple, it's been a couple we months. We had a little summer vacation. Yeah, see, too still. long. Too yeah. long. Too long. I might challenge the word vacation to like cluster jam. <laughs> 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 okay, call it a cluster jam. Is that fun or no? I don't know. We were all working very hard. We were all so. working too much <laughs> and away every weekend for two months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's dive right into it and we can catch up as we go. Welcome contestants. Define monsters. So there are many ways of looking at this, like monsters in pop cultures, movie monsters. I put one human monster in there, like a human behavior thing that I find monstrous. What about you guys? Well, I used Merriam-Webster Dictionary's quote of a monster, which says either an animal or plant of an abnormal form or structure, or one who deviates from normal or acceptable behavior or character. So I, too, have a human monster on my list. So I think a monster is... It's weird, because as I was doing this, I think that... I kept thinking of sympathy, because everything I came with, there are times where you end up feeling bad for the monster. Oh, that's my favorite kind of monster. I think it's almost the thing with a monster is that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? They're not in control. Except my human monster is not a monster and a villain, right? Where like a villain seems to have more agency over their actions, where a monster is just sort of like raw emotion, right? Right. They're not planning. They they're not trying to be a monster usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a monster's not. Yeah, monster's not, doesn't know it's a monster. Doesn't think it's a monster. It's just existing. So right? can I have you on the record quoting that you don't think Hitler was a monster? I think a villain. I, do, I don't. I, I don't think Hitler. I don't think Hitler thought he was doing bad. Yeah, I know. I just want more. Quotes, he is a monster uh, on the record of you saying not absolutely negative things about Hitler. I was. <laughs> This is another long-term side project I'm working on. <laughs> One day. He's capturing all the audio sound bites. Yeah. He's going to string like, them did together. You hear? <laughs> Back in 2017. <laughs> so we have a we have a, a definition, Hitler and under. <laughs> Hitler and under, and maybe less planning, more raw. Raw emotional. Uh, raw emotion. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So let's do it. Let's see if I can get this all timed up, right? Battle begin. Round one. Mothra versus Wendy Pepper. (laughs) Uh, Should I go first? Yeah. I'm so... Because I'm going to (laughs) win. Yeah. I haven't heard the name Wendy Pepper in a long time, but I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Mothra or Mothra. The um, kaiju, the Japanese monster from the Godzilla movies, uh, made her debut in 1961. Uh, Mothra, it comes from the English meaning moth. (laughs) And the ra comes from the Japanese word kujira, which technically means whale, but it's how they're denoting it is a moth of gigantic, colossal size. And the reason why I love Mothra, besides the fact that she's the first female kaiju in the Japanese monster <laughs> universe, is that she's... But you always think people say that Godzilla is a female. That's my interpretation, but I don't think it's technically <laughs> correct. <laughs> Zara's in that group of people that says, like, when they're referring to God, she goes, what does she think? <laughs> Can I say women? What if Godzilla was one of us? Oh, period. Oh, that's, oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> but Mothra, um, one of the reasons we brought this up at the beginning, one of the reasons why she's my favorite monster is because 
She's the definition of like a misunderstood monster. And the only reason why she attacks is that she's accompanied by twin fairies called the Shobijin, which means little beauties, who sing a song of Mothra. And that's the only way. Oh, thank you, Brandon. This is the song of Mothra. Sung by the Shobijin. And so they sing this to summon her whenever people need the help of a giant moth. <laughs> like a monster moth. And she has sort of a symbiotic relationship with the Shobijin. And one of the reasons why when she goes off the rails is when the Shobijin are captured. So sometimes people capture the Shobijin on purpose to rile up Mothra so that she'll attack things on their behalf. But it's just an amazing, it's a monster. She looks like a giant moth butterfly. And she'll kick, totally kick ass, including Godzilla's ass sometimes. And that's why I love her. Well, it looks like we sort of have a, a battle of the mom monsters. Make so strong females. I Wendy Pepper who was on season one of Project Runway. She's one of the three finalists, uh, which is crazy because she was a terrible, terrible designer. (laughs) But the reason she's so interesting is that here was this, like, brand-new show that was just really trying to bring, like, actually good designers into the limelight, and everybody was really there to present their art. And then the only person that was playing the game like it was Survivor was Wendy Pepper. She's been described as the bitch in sheep's clothing, which is, like, a pun because it's a clothing show and where everybody else was trying to like do them she had this like entire strategy to first like pose as she's like hey guys I'm just a mom from the midwest and then she just started like stabbing people in the back left and right like a monster and the best example of this is that all the way in the finales she tried to knock off Karasan from even being eligible because Karasan had her shoes made and she was like ooh that's cheating but it's like Shut up, Wendy Pepper. She and she was just. And this is gonna be a bold statement, but I think she was the first monster to ever appear on Bravo. <laughs> I'm going through the history as a as a Bravo. When expert, Bravo played operas, there were probably were, and there were no <laughs> monsters on Queer Eye oh for the straight guys. Faust. So, <laughs> like the Rat King when they played Nutcracker at some point. Okay, second to the Rat King. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, does, do they sell sheep's clothing at Mood Fabrics? Oh, I bet they have a lot of sheepskin wool, um, prints with sheeps on it. And Wendy <laughs> Pepper would probably use a lot of them in ill-designed outfits that make everybody look dowdy as she is. Yeah, I remember all her outfits were dowdy. That was like a, a, a Wendy Pepper signature. Every reality show, she was first season, right? She was she like was season one, yeah. Yeah, so every reality Rose. show, even this is an Amorosa thing too, and I think it applies to um, every reality show. It, there's always someone that figures out how to play the game first, and a lot of times um, they get pinned as the villain because they're the ones that actually figured out how to play the game, while the others were still like doughy-eyed and figuring like and now that it's a little bit more rare because everyone knows how to play everyone knows reality shows you gotta you gotta get in there you gotta play the game but early on people didn't realize that and those early seasons of all of them are really interesting to watch but, but just to challenge this, she was on um, uh, Project Runway All-Stars that probably came on after like six seasons as a reboot. And even on that, uh, I forget the guy's name who eventually won it, but he was just saying like, I had watched her season and I was not prepared for how big of an awful human she was going to be. <laughs> and that was like six, that was like six episodes, like six seasons in. Oh, Paul Ryan? No, not Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. He's a monster. He's a mo- another oh, monster. Actually, I should have put, we should have had him on the list. <laughs> now, I'm interested to hear about Mothra because, if anything, she sounds less like a monster, more like a good mom, Zara. So can you distinguish those two <laughs> things from each other? Um, I can't. And um, it's similar to, like, when when like danger is about to happen to a baby and moms will rage out and like lift up cars and stuff like that, that's Mothra. So in a way it's almost like a Hulk moment of of transformation that'll turn just this moth monster into a monster monster. Um, Mm. But she is another interesting fact about her is she acts as sort of like a metaphor where Godzilla was a metaphor about um, 
radioactivity and the misuse of the atomic bomb. Mothra is uh, a criticism of the media and celebrity because in the first movie, what drives her to attack Tokyo is that the little fairies are stolen and <laughs> thank you. Every time I mention the fairies, the Mothra theme will play. <laughs> <laughs> But the fairies are stolen by this sort of like media executive capital capitalist guy who wants to exploit the fairies as sort of a sideshow, like media celebrity thing. And she has to come to their rescue and cocoons Tokyo to punish them. Um, so in a way, it's an interesting <laughs> um, Project One Way came from the beginning beginnings of... Mothra is also very um, talented with... Um you know, like yarn. Oh, yarn is she cocoons. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's just because both Project Runway and Mothra are really involved with like color stories, <laughs> constructed fabrics, and maternal instincts gone wrong. I, this is quite a toss. <laughs> and Mothra also is a little dowdy being a moth. Mm-hmm. Similar to Wendy Pepper. So where are you lying, Brandon? As somebody who's right, very so much in the call middle, you have to call this one. We call this. I love Project Runway, uh, early seasons. Um, I like the fact that there is a reality show monster on this list, because um, that is a name that reality show they call. They're called monsters. <laughs> they, yes, but I do love Mothra. Zara, I want to know how strong are you on Mothra? Um, I'll let you. Move Wendy Pepper forward if you play the Mothra theme again over the transition. Sing us out. (laughs) (laughs) You should all find this on YouTube. It's great. (laughs) And there are also 60s. Oh, wait, I didn't even, I totally forgot to tell you that they're twin sisters and in a 60s pop group called the Peanuts. (laughs) Yeah, you'd be into it. They are on Spotify. Nessie versus the Smoke Monster. Often referred to as Smokey by close friends. Smoke Monster might have been like he was either the main villain or one of the villains from the hit Fox television program called Lost created by J.J. Abrams so when most people think of monsters they think of oh I don't know like a giant lizard or like Oh, deformed something. But what if this true monster is just a a cloud of black smoke (laughs) that scans the minds and memories of others, allowing him to confront the characters with judgments from their past? Like, what's scarier than that? He's described by J.J. Abrams as just the pure incarnation of evil. And if he ever escaped from the island, that would be the end of everything good that ever happened. And I would love to go on and on to discuss the smoke monster more, but I feel like even if the off chance, if there's just one human that hasn't watched Lost yet and wants to watch Lost, like I'm going to spoiler alert myself and not continue to say more about the smoke monster, except it's ethereal nature and that he's a psychological thriller. So I'm just going to say he's like a. He's like a guy. It's very complex. I, who cares? It's too, it's too far off. I can tell you about something great. Um, the Loch Ness Monster, Nessie, is an aquatic dinosaur-like monster found in the waters of Loch Ness in the highlands of Scotland. Now, I love cryptozoology, so I thought about Bigfoot on this list, thought about yetis. But to me, there's just something in the Loch Ness Monster, which makes me love it. And also, it has the name Monster in her name. And if you want to see a long Wikipedia article, probably longer than most science and history Wikipedia articles, look at the Loch Ness Monster Wikipedia article. Um, Some highlights is like, um, the first report of a water beast in the Loch, which is a lake in in Scottish, go back to the 6th century, and there's been a, there were... Um, a spattering of, of, of sightings throughout history. And 
It sparked the public eye in 1933 when a couple claimed to see a creature go in front of their car at nighttime, which was followed soon by the photograph, which you've all seen um, in any time they talk about cryptozoology and mythical monsters. That's the picture they use. It's the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, It could be a pleosaur. It could be just a bunch of hokum. But it's this magic thing that there's this big lake and God, there might be something in it that just keeps it going forever. Um, And when you go to Scotland, it is amazing. If you go to the Inverness Airport, uh, it is full of little Loch Ness Monster stuffed animals, which I just find so endearing and lovely. Um, that's, the, that's the Loch Ness Monster. Question. I didn't realize that the Loch Ness Monster um, could get out of the water to cross the road. Yeah, there's been several sightings throughout history of it um, out of the water. And do we know about the gender? Are we sure it's a woman? I have to say she. She's her for, because she's a monster? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I'm with her. <laughs> I'm with her, the monster. No, I've heard her yeah, always I'm referred her to as the a monster. She as well. <laughs> um, this is tough because Nessie is like a very uh, archetypical monster, right? Like, that's a really interesting, like, genre of monster, that that word you used that was quite long. Cryptozoology. 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 Yeah. (laughs) That's a good exemplar, but I just was confused. Was she part of a primetime Emmy-nominated series? (laughs) Um, She was on Unsolved Mysteries, which I'm sure was nominated for an Emmy at some point. Maybe I'll a daytime. Well, Zara discusses. Ah, this is hard because I know for Brandon, Lost is a touchy subject because for him, the finale being horrible sort of cast a darkness on the series as a whole. Whereas for me, I loved the series and I could just sort of take the finale with a grain of salt and not let it sully my enjoyment of the first three seasons. I think that is a common necessary approach to science fiction often. Yes. You can't be consistent all the time. Um, I don't even remember. I, I guess I remember what the smoke monster was. It was really scary. It made that clicking noise that sounded like the noise taxi cabs make when the receipt is coming out. Oh, nice what? job. Oh yeah, uh-huh. there's the tiki noise. Okay, I'm getting a little scared. I don't like it at all. Play Mothra again. <laughs> that was too scary. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel better. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we have to summon Mothra to get rid of that smoke monster. Smoke monster? She just flaps her wings and he blows away. Yes. Actually, she'd be a perfect adversary for the smoke monster. Um, I don't know. I'm for similarly. I like how archetypal the Loch Ness monster is. It's my favorite of these sort of mythical beasts. I'm not a huge Bigfoot person, but I love Nessie, and I visited. I visited Loch Ness with my family. It's just. I think it's like that. A lot of these, you know, it's like at this point in the world of cell phones and everything. It's like there's the hope of these being real is becoming a lot more strained, but there's just something about that giant lake. And there are, that just I makes you feel like there could be something in there. Or there, there, like. there were mm-hmm. two museums devoted to the Loch Ness monster <laughs> next to the lake, two different museums. One was a little more hokey than the other. I'm not sure if they've combined at this point, but I don't think there are any museums devoted to the smoke monster yet. I'm going to try something a little interesting, which is I'm just going to give a quick like, hey, if you haven't watched Lost and you think you're going to watch Lost, like skip forward on the podcast 30 seconds, because I just want to briefly mention something that's also an amazing lineup is that, okay, right now, skip forward 30 seconds is that (laughs) some people think the smoke monster is John Locke. This monster, you know, but wasn't it? When the man in was it's it, the man it in is black. the man in black. He's confirmed to be the man in black. I know, but but he but he comes in the form of John John Locke in like the last episode. Yeah, but he's like a shapeshifter. Is yeah, he, yeah, but just so like, the whole time, lock, guys. This is Depot. If you want to sell everyone on this thing, don't bring up the end of Lost. 
No, no, I'm just saying it's interesting <laughs> that we're dealing with two locks here. And who's oh, has I, the see, key I see, I see, I see. John Locke or Locke Ness? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot, we have key? to make a decision. I mean, I, it's hard because uh, I have my heart is more in Loch Ness Monster only because my grandmother lived next to there. And we used to go there all the time. And it was like. But just imagine when we post the pictures of the top five winners and one of them is the stupid smoke monster. (laughs) Like, it's so dumb. The smoke monster suffered from the problem that um, the more you knew about it, the stupider it got. That's true. I I actually am on board with the Loch Ness Monster over the smoke monster. (laughs) Get on board with Nessie. (laughs) Yeah, I'm on board with it. I'm with her. Yay. (laughs) Round two, the gremlins from Gremlins 2 versus Wendy Pepper. Wow, another two great adversaries. <laughs> two <laughs> classic don't know film. What to do with their clothing. Two people with wild, unformed skirt patterns. <laughs> well, I picked. Um, Oh my god, this is too intense. I can't speak over this. Ooh, Toad's Waves has a soundboard. <laughs> um, I picked The Gremlins from Gremlins 2. Um, this is the 1990 sequel to the original 1984 Gremlins. And they decided, you know, for this 1990s movie, let's forget the fact that Gremlins were scary at all and let's make them. Hilarious, but also a little creepy um, by setting the um, the movie inside an office tower loosely based on Trump Tower <laughs> and setting them free and having them run amok inside like a food court in a mall slash scientific laboratory slash office and um, have them drink a bunch of potions and transform themselves into not only gremlins, but crazy hybrid Gremlins, because this was the 90s, and this is when we were learning about genetic engineering and Dolly the Sheep. And so now it was time to unleash that with Gremlins. And what I love about this movie is it's so funny. When I was little, this was one of my most favorite movies. Um, It still lives up to the magic that I originally encountered. And so what I like about this is there's, like, stupid Gremlins. There's literally a stupid Gremlin whose character is to be stupid, um, called Lenny, and then there's like a very scary gremlin called Mohawk that drinks a potion and becomes a sort of a spider gremlin centaur creature. Wasn't it's, there like a naughty one too that wore garish lipstick? There was a sexy there was, lady. There gremlin. was the one that changed changed uh, sex and became a female sexy gremlin. Yes, who sings? Um, who sort of doesn't sing? Kind of croons to New York, New York at the end with my favorite of these gremlins, which is the. Oh my God! He queued up everything. The brain gremlin, who's a gremlin who drank a magic potion to make himself smart, which just means wearing glasses. Wait, this is just my favorite. It's one of the best scenes in any movie. <laughs> it's just a great combination of a monster that can be both hilarious, slapstick, stupid comedy, and darkly terrifying. When you have like a spider gremlin, or the lightning gremlin, or this crazy bat gremlin. That eventually becomes a gargoyle at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. But um, it's an amazing movie. Everyone should watch it if you haven't watched it. It holds up, I promise. Go see it. I I was thinking about the gremlins. um, And I just, like, I couldn't decide if they were a monster or not. You know? I just didn't know. I just, like, didn't didn't know what they were. They're yeah. monsters. They're monsters, little monsters. Are, are like the fraggles then monsters too? No, the fraggles aren't monsters, but the the, the big guys that live outside, they're monsters. Wait, is that yeah. fair? The doozers aren't monsters? Not, not the doozers. The doozers aren't monsters. Wow. Oh, God. I didn't mean to set off the trash. You did. The trash. You brought this up. I, we had a completely Muppet Jim Henson free. No, we didn't. Um, (laughs) Foreshadow. (laughs) Um, No, 
I guess they're monsters. Just something about them felt off to me. But it might be that they're so disgusting I didn't want to even think about them. They're extra disgusting in this movie. There's like close-ups yeah. of when they transform and make more gremlins with the when the water hits them and like bubbles up. It's so gross. Yeah, they're they're really gross. But maybe that's a good thing for a monster battle. They just cause chaos. They're chaos making monsters. But now you get all, the whole variety pack of them. And whereas, although it is, I realize this is unfair because I'm saying they, there is an endless variety of shape shifting gremlins versus one shape shift shape less monster Wendy Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> one shapeless monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. She sent somebody out on the final runway without anything covering covering their breasts just to be provocative. That what a monster. <laughs> is that is that more chaos chaos making than a gremlin? <laughs> yeah, because I think like in the first one I really focused on her being a monster to the other designers. But let's just also take a moment to think about how big of a monster she is in terms of the world of fashion. Which <laughs> <laughs> is making terrible clothing. See, Deepu, I'm kind of the deciding vote here. And yes, there are a few are. things that I find more amazing than... Oh, God, there's the soundboard again. <laughs> it's, so, it's so silly, but right? You have to decide, are you going to pick, like, a silly joke of a monster or a real-life monster? <laughs> but it's about favorites, and there's just something so... The chaos that they cause... I mean, that's the, the, the one thing that the, the defining, the defining power of the gremlins, if every monster has to have like a power, is that they cause chaos. And in Gremlins 2, see, if it was Gremlins 1, I don't know. I don't know where I'd be here. Although I, I think Gremlins uh, I love I Gremlins 1. I more convinced by Gremlins 1. I think there were more <laughs> monsters there, and now they're just like little comedians. And I just don't think we need two amphibic slash reptilian monsters in our top five list. <laughs> I don't How think dare we you Nessie say that about Gremlins. Nessie? I think they're very similar, maybe, because nobody's seen the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> What do you Where think? Nobody else so far I, 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 is even I fairly close Gremlins to Wendy Pepper. I love Gremlins too. It like brings me joy. Deepu, okay, you might not realize I mean, this. Not, you might not realize, but they're they're kind of they're kind of Muppet like, right? I understand that, and I'm just saying it's, it's irrelevant for this current list. I'm not going to go back to my old critique that sometimes things that are just Muppet like get to the top five for not having to do with anything. But notice, I didn't I'm put saying, the mob. I'm really interested about what we want to be on no, this top no, five. No, no, Gizmo's not a monster. Gizmo's not. Gizmo's a not a. Well, I didn't put Mogwai. Even the bad Mogwai, I didn't put them. I understand that it's a monster, but I'm just saying, like, take a minute in your head to step back from your love of the movie and just be like, what's a more interesting monster? Deepu, I was there with you. I, I denied Mothra from moving forward for Wendy Pepper. Uh, so this is not like I'm not I'm being fair here. This, this okay. is Gremlins from Gremlins 2. I know. It's just it's fine. I get it. It's a very good choice. Zara's the best. Wendy Pepper's the worst. <laughs> I get it. Grover versus Bruce the Shark from Jaws. Guys, I didn't even write notes for this because there is nothing scarier to me personally than Bruce the Shark from Jaws. Seeing this shark as a child has kept me out of the water, get me away from boats. And I still am not very comfortable around boats and the water. I can attest to this. And all of that is because of Bruce, the shark from Jaws. I'm calling him Bruce because that was the name of the puppet um, that uh, Spielberg used that was notorious for breaking down. Um, You really have to read the book, uh, Carl Gottlieb's book about the making of Jaws, because it's absolutely fascinating about just the the terror that this puppet caused. Um, I just think there's something so scary about just nature that doesn't stop. And it is the modern version of Moby Dick, I know, but it's just so scary. And I mean, the special effects, I still think pretty much hold up. Um, 
it's just I don't even want to think it's just it upsets me so much it's one of the best movies of all time that's Bruce the Johnson Brothers um I picked a different type of monster (laughs) I picked Grover from Sesame Street (laughs) his full name is Grover Monster Uh, unlike all the other monsters on the list he's self-described as lovable cute and furry um, he made his Muppets cameo in the 60s in the Muppets on Puppets, and he was on the first season of Sesame Street. And you might be wondering, Deepu, out of all the monsters you could pick in the world, how did you end up with Grover? And I just have to share um, like one of the most important um, books from my childhood was a Sesame Street book called The Monster at the End of This Book. And you you open the book, and it's basically Grover being like, oh, my God, I saw that on the front of the book. It says there's a monster at the end of this book. And then he has this whole existential neurotic crisis that I could really relate to. And he keeps on trying to, like, brick the pages shut so nobody can turn them. And then when you turn them, he goes, why would you do this? There's a monster at the end of the book. And then on the last page, he just realizes he was the monster at the end of this book. Because his name is Grover Monster. Um, and it was such like a warm memory that I think, and the argument that I was nagging earlier, when I was just thinking of my favorite monsters, like I, I, he's my favorite Muppet, he's my favorite Sesame Street character, and he has the surname Monster. Deepu, that was one of my favorite books as well. I strongly identified, this is no surprise, to all worried Muppets. That's like of my of my genre of Muppets of creations. The worried ones are always my favorites. And I loved Love Grover, loved Super Grover. He was so perfect. I always identified with him because he would get scared about things. And there was another amazing book. Did he go to the oh no, was it Bert who went to look at the moon rock? There was another golden book about it was like Sesame Street goes to the museum or something, but that, the monster at the end of the book is so so good and touching and heartwarming. I'm sorry, I I'm like already turning away from Jaws. Uh, I love Jaws. I mean, but, it's gonna be hard for me. You know what? Another book I love is Peter Benchley's Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> that book, I think actually, wait, people should read that because it is very sexy. And I read it when I was in sixth grade, thinking, oh, this will be very sexy. Sexy. It's there extremely are sexy. Extreme vivid sex scenes in it. Something that did not wow. make it into the film version. Yeah. And I took it out of the library at school in sixth grade, thinking like, oh, I love Jaws this will be so cool and being like woo <laughs> it's a good book it's a, it's a very good book girl. it was a different bad girl. it was like a it had the, the parallels with uh, Moby Dick are much stronger it's a very different I mean it's although Peter eventually consulted on the the movie itself uh, the changes Spielberg made were the right choices. the right choices <laughs> well actually what Carl Gottlieb and Spielberg made were the right choices to make a good story because the book is like they go in and out a ton of times to get the like the shark like they go in there's and no out pace, for like just a suspense. month it's like there's no suspense yeah. yeah it's just like really good atmosphere and lots of sex um but I'm so, I'm sorry Bruce the shark from Jaws you will continue to scare me until the day I die you're not as scared as Grover gets. <laughs> Grover's probably terrified of Bruce the, the, the oh. shark from Jaws. No, he's only um, terrified of meta-analyses on his existence. <laughs> <laughs> so we are saying goodbye to Bruce. All right. People who cut or file their nails on public transportation versus Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. So I took a different tack for this one because for me, I looked within myself and I was like, what is the greatest monster, the greatest human monster in the whole world? And this is something, there are a lot of egregious things that happen to you, especially living in a city as we do, because you, you're living closely with people, you encounter people in situations you wouldn't expect. Um, you get groped, you see people jerking off, you see people spitting on the street and sometimes on this train, you see people eating like hot and spicy food out of styrofoam containers really, really late at night on the train, and that's horrible. But really, the most fundamentally upsetting thing that you see on the train and will continue to see, and I'm speaking specifically to 
subway, but this is something I have seen this in airport lounges. I have seen this on buses. I have seen it um, on airplanes and I've seen it just in any, every single group setting it crosses. I've seen men do it, women do it um, across all socioeconomic gender, every line you could possibly invent. There is that I've seen people do this and it is cutting and filing nails uh, in public. It is disgusting. I think the sound of nail clippers clipping nails is triggering. Like my whole, like, if I had hackles, my hackles rise. Like it's that kind of thing where you can feel yourself getting goosebumps and feeling sick at the same time. It is deeply upsetting. And it also, it it shows someone who has such a sense of entitlement and lives in such a bubble that they wouldn't even realize that might bother someone. And it's horrible. And that is why this human monster is my number one monster. is so good. <laughs> but it's such a good pick. It is such a good pick. Brendan, you can try, but the, like, what a monster. Like, a monster I never thought of. Like, they are trash. Like, Nessie would look at this and just grimace and slink back into the lake. Like, it's just the most horrible, spine chilling <laughs> yeah. human behavior. <laughs> Worse this is than, the universal truth. I mean, if there's anything you need to say about Nessie before this podcast is done, go ahead and speak your piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that she covers a, a underrepresented sect of monsters that, that, in this list. Uh, but I know when I've been beat. Um, like with Jaws, <laughs> I don't know if I can fight... The fight for Nessie over this monster that we've all lived through, whether you live in New York or the suburbs or anywhere, you will eventually see someone cut or file their nails in public. Yeah, without without any sort of um, receptacle. Receptacle is onto the ground, and it was such a problem in New York City that they had to make signs for the subway. Remember those signs yes. that said "Do not cut your nails yes. on the subway." The only thing I saw that got me is worse than that was once I was on the subway um, coming up to visit you, Zara, and somebody was peeling shrimp with their teeth and spitting out the shells. <laughs> like the skin shells. And I was like, I can't. Ugh. Are they, unless they're an otter, that's not okay. <laughs> but if it's an otter, it's like, it's endorsed. adorable. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess I, I know when I've been beat. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Nessie. No, Nessie. Oh, my two aquatic animals did not did not make it <laughs> this time. Well, all right, guys. So this is since we we're throwing in in this new season, we're going to throw in a new kind of pick. We uh, because sometimes our numbers just don't work out with the amount of people we have or that kind of thing. So we're throwing in a what are we going to call this? A, a wild card. A wild card. We went on to the internet, found a big list of monsters that were on the TVTropes.com monster page, monster mash page. So I'm going to hit randomize, and the first one that comes up, I'm not going to say what it is. It's going to go right in, and then uh, it will come up, and it will surprise everyone else. Versus Gozer, the Destructor, aka the Destay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> okay, so we all know. We all know which choice is Brandon's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll just speak quickly about Gozer, the Destructor, aka the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Um, Stay Puffed is a marsh is well. Stay Puffed is the manifestation of the ancient Sumerian god Gozer. Who was created when the um, when the food mascot just popped into the Ghostbuster race dance's head from his childhood memories of camping as a kid? Uh, he tried to think of the most harmless thing in the world, and Stay Puffed just popped in there. Um, and I just think it's one of the best, most creative jokes ever made. <laughs> for and it makes for a great sequence as a kid. 
of the 80s. I was obsessed with Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I still have my toy Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. It's one of the few toys that I've really kept kept on into my adulthood kicking around. Um, and I just think it's amazing the initial script of Ghostbusters caused uh, called for a whole bunch of big monsters, and they came up with this idea of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as one of those monsters. And as they kept re- refining the script, they decided that there's just nothing better than a giant food mascot terrorizing New York City. Um, I think he is one of the, the greatest ideas ever made. Uh, and now our random pick was The Mummy. Are we talking about the movie by Brendan Fraser or just... <laughs> I think the mummy had an archetype. This would have been the mummy that would be at a monster mash. So I would say it's like the archetype of the mummy. Mm-hmm. Like wrapped in toilet paper and bandages, probably from Egypt. Blah, it has a blah, wild card. Blah, this yeah. isn't a bad wild like card. Like there's some curse. This isn't a bad wild card. This would be... I feel like if we had a guess, this would be something that they would have say. Right? Um... Yeah, I think the I as someone who's gone as a mummy for a Halloween, um, I I really like mummies. I like the ancient Egyptian mythology surrounding mummies in pop culture and how there's usually a tomb is opened that shouldn't have been opened, a curse is come upon the person who destroyed the necklace or the grave. It's a good like haunting trope and i think a mummy was actually one of the first like set of featured uh, monsters on buffy's season one like oh, in season one of buffy the vampire slayer episode. after vampires they went for some pretty easy monster tropes yeah and um, a mummy was definitely one of them and that was a lady mummy yeah that's my critique of the mummy is that it's kind of like it is of all of the monster mash monsters i feel like it's kind of like I don't know. I, also, with the, the new Tom Cruise movie, I, I read a lot of weird little hot takes about how racist the mummy is as a monster. Well, what race is it racist? Because it's, like it's against against Egyptian people. But not ri- like ancient. Because like, it's it's like the idea that because the mummy is just a way that you bury. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I, didn't dis- I disagree with these because like a zombie is the. North American idea. Yeah, no, it's the same as a zombie. And actually, in those earlier mummy movies, its behavior is the same as a zombie. It's a slow moving. It's that trope of like, here comes the living dead, slowly shuffling towards you. (laughs) Yeah, kind of like a a big marshmallow man shuffled down Central Park West. (laughs) Do you think it's a modern commentary on the hijab? And that's why people think it's racist. Um, yeah, a modern commentary invented 200 years ago. <laughs> or 150 years ago. Like, um, yeah. You know, I actually love when the internet loses, but I think this is a no-brainer. Because yeah. the problem with mummies, regardless of their racism or not, is that they're bland spice. Like, we know nothing about a mummy. It's faceless. Yeah, literally faceless. Sometimes you should have a face. Well, its motivations are usually pretty simple. Like, you wrecked my grave, therefore I kill you. Or you stole my amulet, therefore I kill you until I get my amulet back. Yeah, that's part of the whole racism part about it, is that the idea of mummies being scary came out of, like, the curse of the mummy, which was when all of the white people were destroyed. Destroying and well, taking they over were being crypts. Racist, but I don't think. That but I then, like, but the idea of the of e- Egyptian stuff being spooky and scary, having a curse, was off of like these. I'm, I'm just, just this is like. I feel like this is like internet looking for something that's yeah, there. Yeah, a little bit. And it's funny because the, the the internet gave us this mummy pick. Yes. And then the internet takes it away. <laughs> oh my god! And then we have a, such a hypocrite. It's such a hypocrite. And now we have beautiful Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And one of my that is one of my favorite scenes of any movie. The whole scene from when they're on the roof with the when that crazy like portal opens and Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Right, so it sounds like we're Zool. in. I love we're in agreement. Monster gargoyle dogs. It's the best. Yeah, I love it, but I'm just wondering. <laughs> Has the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man been one of your earlier picks? No. In a previous Toots Faves? No, nope. 
Nope. I, I went back and looked it up. Slimer. <laughs> Slimer was Slimer a pick was. in Ghosts. Okay. We definitely <laughs> talked about him. We've talked about it. Yeah. I feel like Ghostbusters is almost equal to Muppets in how oh, often it's I brought think up. Ghostbusters was a pick of yours, maybe. No, Slimer. Slimer was a oh. pick. Guys, I love him so much. <laughs> no, he's great. All right. So let's kick this mummy to the curb and move on. Penultimate round. The Gremlins from Gremlins 2 versus Grover. I'm I'm just going to like relinquish mine. Woo! I love Grover. Really? Sweetheart. Grover the Gremlins? I mean, <laughs> this is nostalgia's like back. nostalgia's back. I mean, Grover, I are you playing? <laughs> um, I will share. I'll impart you with some fun Gremlins two fun facts I found, which was that the original version of the film was longer, but Steven Spielberg said that there were too many Gremlins. And so several scenes were cut. As we so there were the more gremlins. There were more scenes of just of gremlins. themed gremlins. There were. I don't think there were. That's more like the beauty of this movie is how yeah. it is a movie. It is the perfect movie of things going. A movie that went off the rails, but in, in a, a beautiful, beautiful way. way. Yeah, where it just became. Let's just make this movie about the gremlins. The humans are an afterthought. And I'm going to add something for Sheila's. Corner that if you haven't seen the Key and Peel sketch about Gremlins 2, you must look it up on YouTube and watch it right now because it is it's playing off the idea of like how what was the writer's room like for Gremlins 2 and it's perfect. That's wonderful. So it's not like Jardis threw out all of her facts because she is just going with Grover. So I mean, it's hard. It's let's like move on. <laughs> People who cut or file their nails on public transportation. Versus Gozer, the Destructor, aka the Destate Puffed Marshmallow Man. I would call people who cut their nails on the subway well, they, also the Destructor. They both have and will terrorize New York City. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never th- thought of two more things more equal. They both open a portal into my world. <laughs> into the, like the darkest depths of the world. The darkest. I see a pyramid and some clouds. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is like pretty tough for me because it's very disgusting to clip your nails, but it's also this like um, it's so many people versus one very specific right, right. monster. And I like you the know? I you know how we were talking earlier about how some monsters are trying to destroy and some monsters don't realize they're destroying. And, yeah, if we go back to that original definition, then yeah, like the, and both the were monsters, monster. but Gozer is the destroyer, literally, and is just trying to destroy the world. The, de- the, the destructor. Destructor, sorry, not the destroyer. <laughs> um, and people on the subway cutting their nails are destructive, but they're not, I don't think they're intending to destroy the world. They're just destroying my world and everyone else's world. Everyone's day. It's like a passive-aggressive destruction. (laughs) They're just destroying everyone's day. Uh, And, guys, I just want to say we've been going about this all wrong. This Mr. Stay Puff isn't so bad. He's a sailor. He's in New York. We get this guy laid. We won't have any troubles. Uh. (laughs) Um, uh, Ugh. So are we feeling Gozer or are we feeling Nail Cutters? Ooh, I um, I feel like I have to go more literal than conceptual on this one, and that means me to go towards Gozer. Yeah, I see it, and I also I kind of like—is this for number one? No, this is the penultimate round. But like, I'm, I'm just not sure those like those monsters deserve a spot on the You're top right. two monsters You're Hall right. of Fame. That's like, good we shouldn't logic. award them. <laughs> With anything with highest marks. You're right. Final round. Grover versus Gozer. Could this be any perfect? Any what perfect? is it? The two most adorable things in the world. <laughs> I have got it. And the they rhyme. <laughs> wow. This is like good it's versus It's pretty much evil. just our childhood's win. And maybe that's actually the biggest... 
definition of what wins in Toad's Faves is just childhood fondness. But I try to, when I do put childhood things in it, I try to at least pick things that I've re-examined in some way. So it's yeah. not just my nostalgia being like, oh, I love this. Um, but Grover is super Grover. Yeah, but then he's he's a hero. He's not a monster. And he is like, a monster. He'll always be a monsters. monster. Like, should we take a look in the mirror and realize that the world just isn't black or white, right <laughs> or wrong, monster or hero? In the, hey, hey, in the real Ghostbusters, Stay Puft was a good guy a few times. Oh, the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> in the oh, real Ghostbusters. In the, Ghostbusters. In the, in the, the real Ghostbusters, yeah. <laughs> the real one, which is a cartoon. Yes. I just like I'm very big on bloodlines and lineage, so I mean I think I would just vote for Grover because his last name is Monster, but <laughs> but maybe not everybody's like into um, into that as I am. I'm into ancient Sumerian gods. <laughs> you want to talk about bloodlines? <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of on, it's kind of on you. It is. I love Grover, but I kind of like making the number one a bad guy over a wonderful, cute, furry monster. Because now I'm, this is making me rethink all of Sesame Street, how all of the monsters are monsters, but they're not monster monsters. They're just not human. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um. Let me just read you the last page of the monster at the end of this book before you vote against him. And then you can vote against him. It says, well, look at that. This is the end of the book. And the only one here is me surrounded by hearts, a lovable furry old Grover and the monster at the end of this book. And you were so scared. I told you and told you there is nothing to be afraid of except for Zara's wrong choices. Oh, am I? I really am the dividing one. I'm very strong <laughs> on Gozer, and I, I say turn that S to a V and make I it says, Grover. Who, who are you gonna call? Grover, <laughs> Super Grover. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess that decides it. <laughs> Is that who you pick, Zara? Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> I just want, for the record, to add to, um, just to put that, the Deepu battled this whole way. With a Muppet, I know. That's the that's the. That's part also of why I picked it. <laughs> Who's the, the monster now? Maybe, maybe the real monster is me being a hypocrite. <laughs> it's number one. You have to look at the end of your own book now, Deepu. Yeah, I know. What's my own book? The Toad's Babes monsters are number five, the Loch Ness Monster. Number four, the Gremlins from Gremlins 2. Number three, people who cut their nails on public transportation. Number two, Gozer the Destructor, aka the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Number one, Grover. Faith of the Week. Every week at the end of the show, we like to tell you our favorite thing of the week. Um, so this week, uh, it's literally my favorite thing of the week slash past day is a game called Universal Paperclips. Um, I, I found it as clickbait on Facebook. I'm just going to read the description of it from the internet because I don't do a good job describing it as I failed to do so to four people today. It's a, it's a free clicker game where you play as an AI tasked with optimizing production efficiency. Um, that sounds really boring, but honest to God, I spent three hours of my work day today ignoring the long laundry list of things I had to do to play this game, Universal Paperclips. It's like really simply designed and so much fun and like additively addictive. Uh, but be prepared to like, A, not only have three hours to play on day one, but like, give yourself another like three to four hours to play on day two. And you're really liking this because I've seen this like get. I've been seeing this get buzz. I've, I've, I've yeah. heard of it. 
I'm, I'm into it. I usually don't like things that get buzz. Is it a clicker game where like you buy like um, the cookie clicker game where the the you buy things to click and stuff like that? Uh, I've never played anything on the internet like this. I only play Tetris on the internet. So <laughs> it might not be the best like surveyor of of clicker. I didn't know clicker was a genre. Um, I thought it was something you use to change the channels on your television. <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa. Thanks, Grandpa. Uh, but I really like it. It's it's very fun and like clever and inventive and like really well paced. And any um, faves of the week that you want to just like get out of your system while we were in our hiatus? Oh, I wanted to uh, make a, a fave of the week out of Maya Rudolph's performance as her multiple characters on Big Mouth. Okay. It's great comedy. It's 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 beautiful, and you couldn't get a better cast of comedians on one animated series. So my pick of the week is also animation related. And it was something that I was ignoring for a while. Brandon kept telling me to watch it and I was ignoring him because it was an adult swim and I assumed this wouldn't be for me. Um, And it's a show Rick and Morty and it's so good. It's so funny. Um, Brandon showed me, I guess like two good introductory episodes. You showed me three, three. but the the inception one was so good. I don't know. There's basically, there's one episode about that. Lawnmower dog. Oh, that's the same one? Oh, yeah, it is the same it's one. the same one. So actually, this is a really cool thing about the show. Um, there's three similar, I mean, like in a normal sitcom, there's usually three unique plot lines, but yeah. this really feels like three separate stories are happening that aren't interacting at all, but yet are like, what, they have repercussions on each other. So in a way, it's like watching, it's hard to tell what bit is in what episode because the plot lines are so unrelated disparate yeah disparate and I, then they all come together at the end in an amazing way and the one episode you showed me was lawnmower dog and that's a great introductory episode and it's making fun of um inception and they keep incepting deeper and deeper into other villains and like people's minds and it's so stupid and so smart at the same time so Zara, i have weirdly uh, despite all of my friends suggestions been avoiding rick and morty also yes so i'm gonna commit to it this week and on the next episode, Deku, gonna, I I try I avoided the show like the plague, and I had had so many people recommend it to me because of who I am and because of things I like. Uh, but this is kind of a thing that I just saw another article about this: is that it is an extremely intelligent show, extremely funny show, but the fandom sort of ruins it. The internet kind yeah, of ruins ignore, the show. Just watch the show in your own, own vacuum, vacuum and don't like get but into... don't try to discuss it in a podcast or something. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, it's discussing amongst friends <laughs> or on a podcast. I mean, it's like the fandom itself ruins it's like it. Teen, it's like teen boy obnoxious. It's a thing where like they released a Rick and Morty sauce at McDonald's and... They like they ran out, or they didn't plan on having. They destroyed McDonald's so for normal children people. Children started like rioting at McDonald's and then trolling McDonald's to get their stupid sauce, and it's like that kind of stuff. Where you're just, like a destructive fandom, and I yeah. think even the creators of the show aren't into that, obviously. But it's like no, Dan they, Harmon's not going to care about anything of just making TV and like ew, sitting on the couch. Harmon? Yeah. Yeah, but like, don't think Aww. about that. The team is not. It's a lot of other guys. He's okay. one of the people. Oh well. You but no, I thought these were all. These were all the things that went in my head and stopped me from watching. Yeah, it. me too. In a way, it's, like, it's oh, just that deep to, to oh, try to to try to sell it to you is that swim. it is the ideas on it are so high concept. It is. Out of control. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna do it the, uh, uh, as my dedication to this podcast. I will lean in. I will keep watching I'm Big with Mouth. Her, I'll lean in. We only watched the first Big Mouth, but we'll keep watching. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I liked Big Mouth too, but it was actually I was started watching Big Mouth right when I started watching Rick and Morty, and it, it's Rick and Morty swallowed up everything else that I was. Thinking That's because you didn't get to the Maya Rudolph episodes. <laughs> um. Uh, I will say with Rick and Morty, it starts off strong and just gets better and better. And it, you, you just, just, you're gonna love it. My pick is this YouTube that I've been taking in uh, that just introduced to Zara called it's the so good. called the Funked Land, 
And it's kind of it is kind of a, a YouTube that a genre of YouTube that I don't necessarily get into a lot, which is kind of like the slideshow YouTubes where it's just like a picture and a guy talking over the photos. Kind of feels like a PowerPoint. But what this guy does is he talks about uh, theme park rides that have that have closed for some reason, and he goes through the whole history and then why they closed. And he's got a weird sense of humor, uh, and he's just very good at telling these stories that are sometimes pretty complex. Also, I think selling it short a little bit because yeah. they are slideshows, but it's almost like a short documentary, a ten yes. minute, fifteen minute documentary going through the whole history. Of saying, it, it's, I'm saying I like it a lot. Yeah. I usually don't like these kind of YouTube, yeah. uh, YouTube. But I think he does more. He does it better than the average like slideshow. Yeah, yeah. He he has. It's very well written, and I said he's got a great sense of humor, and the topics are all very interesting. Some great ones. Some great ones oh, to check out. EO. The Captain EO one is great. Jaws the Ride, Universal mm-hmm. Studios. We just is watched it like the- a sad Ken Burns. Yes. <laughs> a little bit yes. about rides that have closed. No, exactly. Yeah. A ride, a ride. And it always, always like it is interesting too because a lot of them are about um, Disney under Michael Eisner because so many things. These grand plans arose under Michael Eisner that were completely abandoned. <laughs> and uh, he does other theme parks, too. It's not just Disney. So it's not just for oh, Action Disney Parks, freaks. the famous action park in New oh, Jersey. Um, just like weird. And so it's like almost like a pop culture overview of a moment in time. And like, why was this a thing? Yeah, he does, he does a lot of context, which is good. Yeah. Like, why, why did they decide... That this was worth millions upon millions yeah. of dollars, and some of the one, oh my god, the the the, the submarines in Disney World. Oh cost, yeah, the twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Like he does a whole it, thing about that. That doesn't exist anymore. Millions about, upon millions upon yeah. millions of dollars. Each submarine was like a million dollars, and it was during the Cold War when it was impressive of America to show that it had submarines at Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so defunct land. It's uh, called, and if you just search that on YouTube, you'll find it. I think you'll I really like it. To too. Do. I have a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, Deepu, where can people find you as you're watching all of these things? Oh, um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at BP Murdy or every Thursday at Steel City Improv Theater for House Teams Night. And then I think by the time this episode goes up, I am launching my website for my new lab that will be starting in January at Temple. So you can look up uh, the Adaptive Memory Lab at Temple and check out what my research is up to. For me, you can find... Zara, what about you? Like, where can oh. I find you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even need the segue. I'm at ZaraFS on Twitter. Um, I am a producer for Watch It Happens Live. You can watch that Sunday through Thursday nights live at 11 on Bravo. And more importantly, I've launched a new project called Half Moon Guides, which is basically like in the past, everywhere I go, I keep track of everywhere I eat and go to and stay and stuff that I do. And whenever people go to these places, I send would send them an email of all my favorite things from this. Actually, Deepu, I just did this for you because you were like, oh, I have friends who are going to have dinner in Times Square. Where should they go? And I sent you yeah, five things. Great. And so now I've launched a website um, based on my these emails that's basically just accumulating them all and dividing them up by city. And so now I'm on, it's like different city guides. So I have Montreal's on there, a lot of places on Long Island, Pittsburgh from when we visited Deepu. Um, and it'll grow from there. So I'm hoping to put one out every week. Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, I'll have Joshua Tree on there. Um, yeah, no, it's just a fun way to like share delicious things. <laughs> it's also as charming as it is informative. Thank you. I like to put a little personal flair. So it's not just a list of restaurants. It's more of like, this is actually where you should go. Or in, in this is, it's not just a list of like, here are the fancy things you should do. It's like a, the whole, whole variety. And Brandon. Ah, thank you. Um, so you can find me. Well, watch After Trek on CBS All Access, which is the Star Trek After Show, which is part of the reason why this podcast went under for a little bit because I've been producing that. And so you can 
find some of my work in there. Also, Star Trek Discovery, very good. I didn't make that a pick of a week. I might in future weeks, but it's very good. Um, you can find me personally on Twitter and, and Instagram at B.B. Werner and my comedy history project, Laughing Historically, on YouTube and Instagram at Laughing Historically. And I've been working on a uh, food history show on the website Medium uh, called Eating Historically. Uh, and we've got four episodes of that up. You can check it out. Hopefully more. Rock on wood. We'll see. Um, and that's what I've been up to. <laughs> And if you like this show, please rate and subscribe to Totes Babes wherever your podcasts are stored. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates on future episodes. Um, that's Totes Babes for all of those social media. And, oh, sorry. No. And the, Oh, I just got some incoming news from Sheila's Corner, too, uh, which is that uh, our intern Sheila looked up and Unsolved Mysteries never won an emmy but it was nominated and you said nominated i know so i was wrong wrong, in our apple's podcast review section um why don't you tell me if i'm wrong or not about wendy pepper being bravo's worst monster is there another monster that's out there that's even worse than wendy i don't know they did interview ben affleck on the actors guild (laughs) actors studio Well, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) 